This is Cutting Through the Matrix on November the 2nd, 2012. For newcomers, make sure you help yourself to the website CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. There's lots of audios for free download, and you'll start to understand the big system of conology. I call it conology that you've been born into. It's a good system that conned your parents and grandparents before you. So it works very, very well, and it's ongoing because there's a definite agenda to it all. I go through the organizations that set up in the late 1800s, early 1900s, to take over not just the world, but all of its resources and manage it properly, including us, human resources, and how they bring in a new scientifically controlled society under authoritarianism. And we're here right now with it all. In fact, they've accomplished many of their objectives. It was the same objectives as Karl Marx had and Lenin and uh, Stalin. And, of course, the big banks that funded them, because it was international bankers who funded communism into existence. It works out very well. It's called the Hegelian dialectic. You both start off on opposite roads and end up on the same one. And you can't get change without having conflict between the two. So you plan the conflict, you plan the change, and you guide it. Quite simple. So you're living through it today. So help yourself to the website, as I say. And remember, too, you are the listeners that bring me to you. I don't bring on uh, guests that uh, either pay to get on to flog books or whatever or to, to flog their magic potions or whatever. It's up to you to keep me going because I just depend on you and listeners to buy the books and discs at cuttingthroughthemedics.com or to donate. And remember, from the U.S. to Canada, you can still donate using personal checks or international postal money orders from the post office. You can use cash or you can use PayPal. And across the world, you've got Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal once again. Straight donations are awfully, awfully welcome in these hyperinflationary quantitative easing times and uh, of hyperinflation. And we're only really starting at it because we've got a long way to go. Remember, too, the banks planned this a long time ago. They'd bring in and use money and their central banking system to crash economies and then renew themselves into a higher form of authority. That's exactly what's happening today as the central banks are given more power than ever before after plundering of us all these private banks, and they're all under the Bank for International Settlements at Basel, Switzerland, all these private central banks. They also have their front organizations called the United Nations, for instance, and the Council on Foreign Relations that gives you all your media news, and the Royal Institute for International Affairs that set up the whole thing and all of it in the very first place, these international bankers and their sons. They mainly came from Germany and were based in London at the time. So their history was well spelled out by their own historian, Carl Quigley, and you've got to get the book, The Anglo-American Establishment, because he gives you the agenda in it. And he actually thought it worthwhile publishing that book because he says it's time the public knew that there's another force guiding and shaping all of major history throughout their lives. 
and it's been working steadily for well over a 100 years to make all this possible. And you are living through their system. The right-wing see it as communist, the communist see it as right-wing, and it's wonderful because only the top of the communists and the right-wing know the real purpose of it all is to play the dialectic, and we go along with it all. That's a system we're living in today. It's a managed society going into uh, a technocratic society run by technocrats and literally scientists as well, all beneath them using technologies to make sure the world is progressing along the directed path. There's nothing happenstance about the big changes. There's nothing that happens with spontaneous wars and uh, 9-11s, that type of thing, and the flurry of wars that follow it. They were all planned long before 9-11 happened. And I'll be back with more after this break. I'm back, we're cutting through the matrix And it's interesting to to see how uh, the big agenda works Because if you had to study it for a long time, many, many years And you understand the, the tricks that are pulled upon the public And how incrementalism is generally the technique that's used uh, Pushing the envelope a little bit at the time on different areas And you adapt to the changes Thinking, well, it's not much of a change at the moment The next step comes until literally you're 180 degrees away from where you started That's been the technique for actually hundreds of years by those who rule the world. And they take simple things, they make a big deal out of them, they obfuscate them, make them complicated, and most folks just simply give up and let them go ahead and do what they want to do. But you don't understand there's a big agenda there, because you have to understand that Karl Marx came out with a, a theory that wasn't his in the first place. And Karl Marx, too, was a good pal of Charles Darwin and wanted to actually put Darwin down uh, uh, in the third uh, edition of his book. And uh, Darwin wanted to do it as well, but he had to pretend that he was a bit different from Marx for the general public of that time. But they're both brought at the same time, and Freud later, of course, to change society. That was the reasons for it, all from the same groups of people. And... Um, we find that they knew long time ago what they wanted to do. If you want to conquer the world and conquer nations, then you must conquer and destroy utterly the cultures of the nations. Again, Theodore Adorno talked about this many times in his writings and uh, with the Frankfurt School and many other schools too. Even the Weather Underground talked about using words and so on to, 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 to confuse people and to silence people who were against particular programs. So they'd label you with a word and that would shut you up like Nazi or whatever. Whoever happened to be would work roughly well. And, and phobias, you know, anything with phobia at the end of it now is, is a politically correct thing to do. So we find that the same techniques are being used and these are psychological techniques. Behaviorists uh, came up with the idea that worked with Adorno and also Bertrand Russell too, who claimed he was a philosopher, but he actually worked with the Vienna School and other schools that were there to change the world. They thought it was all just too abnormal for them to, to, to bear, so they'd change it all, make it proper with themselves in charge as a new authoritarians. But we find this article here, it says, for instance, I've read this before, a bit of it, but it's in a different uh, site, and it says, children are to be taught that heterosexuality is not the norm in Australian school projects. It's from the United Nations. 
and it said that it said um, Australian school children were told that heterosexuality is not the norm according to a new education department pilot program called Proud Schools. All this pride stuff, you know. Heterosexism is one of the evils that Proud Schools programs is intended to stamp out, along with homophobia and transphobia. They're getting all these kinds of phobias all involved now that didn't exist before. Uh, education officials have said, according to the minutes from the Proud Schools Steering Committee, and it's a private organization, Proud Schools, you know, uh, were run by private organizations for those who happen to figure out where democracy is. This is on, on March 22nd, 2000. This, the program focused on reversing the dominance of heterosexism rather than on homophobia. See, they, they dream up the terms, they make the terms, they create, create the divisions, then they get you fighting, then they get you what you want. The program defines heterosexism as a practice of positioning heterosexuality as a norm for human relationship. Well, if it wasn't a norm, none of us would be here. Obviously, right? And same with all natures as well, all other creatures. According to the Proud Schools Consultation Report, it involves ignoring, making invisible or discriminating against non-heterosexual people, their relationships and their interests. Heterosexism feeds homophobia. That's nonsense. Years ago, you, you didn't hear all this stuff because f- once folk were in their, in their own houses, they could do whatever they wanted and nobody cared. But now it's going to be in your face, you see. As a destroy. The target, the target, of course, is, is, is actually uh, what they call um, heterosexism. That's the target of all of this. And uh, heterosexuals are the enemy, you see. If you were destroyed, remember getting back to the war. You understand there's a long-term ongoing war here. It's never changed. And you're to destroy all cultures completely, utterly, and cause mayhem. And Theo Adorno went right into that, utter mayhem in the cultures. Government agencies step in to clean up the mess and take over responsibilities that, that heterosexuals not used to have. And they've done a good job at that with all their agencies. And, and the state comes in and provides abortion. So everyone then is responsible for everybody else's acts. Someone decides that they could get pregnant, then you have to pay for them for the rest of their lives. You see, this is communism. You understand how communism really works. And it says the committee suggested that teachers must monitor the playground in order to stamp out heterosexist language amongst children in out-of-class hours. What is heterosexist language? You know. The Education Department has allocated $250,000 for the pilot program that's running now in 12 state schools. It was initiated in 2010 by Labour's former Education Minister, uh, Verity Firth. A name Verity Firth, and it's like a magazine, eh? and has been implemented and supported by current New South Wales Education Minister Adrian Piccoli. Piccoli said his department was dedicated to stamping out homophobic bullying. He says a similar program is already in use in Victoria, called the Safe Schools Coalition to support sexual diversity. Now, why is this a priority? Think about it. With all the things happening in the world, this is a priority. The United Nations has made it the priority. Proud Schools recommends using personal development, health and physical education classes starting in the year 7 as 12 and 13 year olds to incorporate learning about same-sex attraction and sexual diversity. In other words, how can you tell if you haven't tried it all? Maybe you should see a counsellor. Maybe you're, maybe you're phobic yourself. Maybe you've got inhibitions. Why don't you try it? Do you understand what this is all about? I hope you really do. I hope you do. It says homosexuals, uh, groups and left-leaning columnists are furious and aiming editorial attacks at the Sydney Telegraph for having criticised the programme as politically correct and for having revealed the text of the Proud Schools Steering Committee. They prefer that parents don't know what's going on, you see. 
The, the Telegraph's Miranda Devine, Devine wrote that at least 10 Liberal members of Parliament are extremely concerned about the programme and will complain to Education Minister Adrian Piccoli this week. Devine quoted Upper House Member of Parliament Fred Nile, who called the programme propaganda and asked the government to defund it. I'm totally opposed to the brainwashing of high school students, he says, especially when they're going through puberty. Niall said, homosexuals at most make up 2% of the population. I don't know why the education department would give priority to promoting this. Well, it's not to, to stop bullying and all that stuff. It's to literally confuse all the other students. This is a war, folks. It's a war. Confuse all the other students and make them inhibited in saying anything at all that they find rather awful, or perhaps even disgusting if someone comes on you of the same gender, etc., etc. He says, we will have more confused teenagers than ever. That's the purpose. Children should be allowed to develop themselves, he says. And the New South Wales Premier, Barry O'Farrell, defended the programme, vowing that it it would not be shut down. He says, I don't believe that sexual orientation is any more a matter of choice than one's gender. O'Farrell said, whether discrimination is on the basis of gender, sexuality, race or something else is unacceptable. Now, people understand prejudice used to have a, a different meaning. See, the same boys give you the terms to use that make you feel ashamed or whatever. But at one time, you had a prejudiced taste if you were a wine taster or brandy or whatever. But they really change it all to make it something really awful. So you're not allowed an opinion or a bias anymore. Everyone's biased towards something. That's why folk vote left or right, you see. So the ones who run the war always run, uh, they, they set out the, the, the path, you know, the, the, the course of the war, the battlefield. They give you the terms to go by, but they generally run it in such a way using neuro-linguistics neuro and neologisms, new words, to confuse you until they get their way. And again, that's exactly what Theodore Adorno went through, and so did the, the Weather Underground as well. They, use, they talk about using terminology to confuse people to get their way. And to shame people, because they make you ashamed about nothing. Nothing, you see. Having an opinion is to be ashamed. You see, there's, it's amazing too, because Theodorno talked about the authoritarian personality. You understand, in liberalism, they are the ultimate authoritarians, because under the guise of freeing everyone, they're completely intolerant of anyone with any other opinion. And they make it legal, all their intolerance, you see. Now, the United Nations Agency calls for teaching children five to eight years of age masturbation. Now, this started off when Janet Reno was in McClinton, in fact. And that's why the head of that, the U.S. Department with that woman who's the military uniform for health, uh, she was actually fired because she put it forward. She wanted to get it done in classrooms. This is like mutual masturbation in classroom, folks. And who put it out? UNESCO, United Nations, you see. Suggest children of all countries and cultures are entitled to sexual and reproductive education. You see, beginning at the age of five, it says. A June report from the United Nations Economic, Social and Cultural Organization suggests children of all countries and cultures are entitled to sexual and reproductive education beginning at age five. The report called International Guidelines on Sexual Education was released in June in conjunction with the United Nations Population Fund, the one that was to bring down the population. An, you know, an abortion and all that. An organization which works for universal access to reproductive health care, meaning abortion care, because that's all they're about. In its rationale for creating the guidelines, the UNESCO report said it's essential to recognize the need for an entitlement of all young people to sexuality education. 
An appendix backed that claim by pointing to a 2008 report from the International Planned Parenthood Federation See, they work together. In fact, Planned Parenthood is under the umbrella of UNESCO. <laughs> so they asked their, ask their, the next door neighbor in the next office, what do you think? Brighten this and you back us up on it. They do this all the time. And it was from International Planned Parenthood Federation that argued governments are obligated to guarantee sexual rights and that sexuality education is an integral component to human rights. Now, I read the article last night, and it's from Exclaim, which is put out by Planned Parenthood International and, and the United Nations, that want to abolish all consenting age for sex with children. Now, you better understand, pedophilia is wide open now for this. Because that's where it's heading. That's what it's all about, folks. You know, intergenerational sex is taken over the, from the term pedophilia. It's the right of the child if they want to. You better understand what's running your world here. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I am back cutting through the matrix and, and cutting through all the nonsense that we're force-fed and we are force-fed this rubbish. And you never ask the questions of all these people that you think you vote for and you think you choose. Uh, why come they go along with it and sign all these things into law across the whole planet? How come? See, they're all pre-selected by the Council on Foreign Relations. Every member... Uh, of our pre- every president, every prime minister, according to Quigley, uh, who was the historian for this, this group, said that has been a member of the CFR for a hundred years. Doesn't matter which party you vote for, they're all on board with it, all the ones at the top are, you see. And I'm reading this article here about the United Nations calling for teaching children five to eight years about masturbation and so on. And it goes into homophobia, transphobia, abuse of power, and all that kind of stuff. And how we have pleasure in sex, yada, yada. You understand how clever it was, too, that the same group working together as always, Planned Parenthood and the United Nations, because as I say, they're all under the umbrella of the United Nations, wanted the, the rights of the child, you see. And, and everyone says, okay, yes, fair enough, you know, we're not bad people, let's give children rights. Well, this, this is the rights so that children could eventually, that you can't stop them from having sex with some, some, you know, ancient old sod, because um, they'll say, well, that's a child's right if they approve, you see. This is all for, it's nothing to do with giving them other rights. It was purely to do, to do with the, this agenda here, getting them into early sex, pre-pubertal sex, uh, and again, abolishing the whole term of pedophilia uh, and every other term that's used with abusing child, children. That's what it's about. For those that care, I think society is so jaded today because everybody's been contaminated with the trash that poured out for years, again, all on board with the agenda. It really is. You have no idea of the think tanks that do nothing but work for a hundred years on every facet of society bringing it down. Non-stop. Non-stop. This is a war to them, you see, to change the world. And the war is all on you. Also, 
I read an article last night about the the, 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 the children, the amount of children getting born in the US are way down, and, and most of them are to single parent families and so on. In an article in Mail Online today, it says, the decline of marriage has left ever increasing numbers of middle aged men and women living alone. And while the state takes care of you, they give you a euthanasia pill. Almost 2.5 million between 45 and 64 years of age have their own home, but no spouse, partner, or children to live with them. The army of such loners has grown by more than 50%, which is 800,000-plus since the mid-1990s, an official analysis said yesterday. So they're always doing these analytics to see if they're on target with the big agenda of destroying society. You know how much time and effort these foundations have put in over many years to utterly destroy society? It says the number of men on their own has increased far more than women. And it says, um, the Office for National Statistics, just like Orwell said in 1984, you always have an Office of National Statistics, always prattle out your stats. And you can't argue with that, can you? I mean, as I say, there's lies, damn damn lies, and then there are statistics, pretending it's a scientific cover. It must be true. Anyway, the report suggests that men who have not committed to long-term relationships or whose marriages have been ended by divorce are finding it harder to win partners once they reach middle age. One reason could be that middle-aged women with good qualifications and jobs have little interest in forming relationships with lower-earning men. It's not that at all. It's all the stuff they're feeding the women. They can just have partner after partner after partner. They've been doing it since about the 80s at least, the 70s even. That was a big push. You see? And the government was guaranteed to take care of them and their children, etc., etc. Meaning society does, which is communism again. Pedophilia again. News like caught in fresh pedophile storm amid claims that a senior political figure will be outed on tonight's show. It says, editor of the London-based Bureau of Investigative Journalism, Ian Overton, makes claim on Twitter, the tweet prompts furious speculation online about the identity of the alleged pedophile who is still alive as a politician. Charles Fours Michael Crick claims he's spoken to the man who denies allegations and will sue if Newsnight shows the investigation. The BBC refuses to confirm if the investigation into the alleged abuser exists. This is so... The BBC's dragging a fresh storm over a second Newsnight pedophile investigation emerged. Editor of the London-based Bureau of Investigative Journalism, Ian Overton, mysteriously tweeted that a senior political figure was to be outed as a child abuser on the programme this evening. Well, you take your pick from a whole bunch of them, actually. The investigation about the unnamed man whose life has been looked at the BBC's legal team. This is... Um, this is despite Mr. Overton's crystal clear message online. Fog goes well. We've got a news night out tonight about a very senior political figure who is a paedophile. This is Mr. Overton's bureau is a not-for-profit organization which works with news outlets to publish in-depth investigations. It's been working on the project for the BBC. It applies more pressure on the beleaguered corporation after last month it was revealed. Newsnight dumped an investigation to paedophile Sir Jimmy Savile, even though they had interviewed his victims. And um, it took an, inter- an ITV documentary to reveal that Jimmy Savile had carried out decades of abuse involving hundreds of children, some of whom were attacked on BBC premises. It wasn't just Savile, of course. And he was also a procurer. Remember, Savile said that on a video. He was a procurer. He got children for higher ups. He was already a, a sir. It emerged that Newslight had carried out its own investigation in the paedophile DJ, including an interview with the same victim in the ITV documentary nearly a year before. So they're still ongoing with all this abuse, but they'll have to really clam up, as I say, and, di- and divert us into other things because it can't go any higher. 
you know, the elite and nobility must, you know, close ranks and stop all this before it gets any, any further. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks, and back. We're cutting through the matrix. And again, I'll put tonight up again with that exclaim from the International Planned Parenthood uh, guys that they use this term. Uh, that are really into this uh, promoting um, sexual activity, very, very young sexual activity between young people and perhaps older ones too. They've got all these rights now, you see. They want to make sure they have rights. And so I'll put that link up once again. And also one to United Nations. It's uh, UN Watch for those who are interested in what's running your lives because everything comes through the United Nations, including the World Bank, the IMF, and all the rest of it because it's all set up by the Royal Institute for International Affairs, all of it. To change all, the whole world. That's what's behind it all. You've got to get rid of the United Nations. Very, very simple. Very, very simple, folks. It's got to be gotten rid of. And tonight, too, I'll mention this one. It says, on the front lines, it says, Rutherford Institute issues a model drone legislation calls on Congress to protect Americans from weaponized drones and police spy drones. This is uh, John Whitehead, president of the Rutherford Institute, is calling on the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee to protect the privacy and civil liberties of American citizens from police use of unmanned aerial vehicles, commonly known as drones. In the wake of a passage of the FAA Reauthorization Act, it's expected that at least 30,000 drones will occupy U.S. Space, airspace by 2020. I think it'll be long before 2020. And alerting the Senate Judiciary Committee to the dangers posed by drones to citizens' privacy and civil liberties, the Rutherford Institute has made model legislation available titled Freedom and Drone Surveillance Act that would not only prohibit the federal government from using data recorded via police spy drones and criminal prosecutions, but it will also prevent police agencies from utilizing drones outfitted with anti-personal devices such as tasers and tear gas. So I'll put that up tonight too. It says, these drones, aerial robotic threats to privacy and security are being unleashed on the American populace before any real protocols to protect our privacy rights have been put in place and in such a way as to completely alter the landscape of our lives and our freedoms. Well, that's its intention. See, forget this democracy rubbish. You have never had it. And you're run by just one system now, a world system. It knows exactly where it's taken us all. And it has to go under. You understand, for a totalitarian society, everyone must be predictable. They must know what you're doing at every minute and second of every single day. That's what that means, folks. It says, uh, it's critical that Congress not only give serious consideration to the dangers posed to our freedoms by the aerial devices, but ensure that the American people are protected against any resulting incursions on their rights as provided for by the U.S. Constitution. Well, they've already ruled just the other day that the U.S. can use them wherever they want to use them. And under the guise of, you know, looking for drugs or anything else. I mean, that's as simple as that. They're not going to stop unless you say no. That's it. You see. 
as the Rutherford Institute's fact sheets on drone details, the FAA Reauthorization Act signed into law by President Obama in early 2012 has opened the door for drones, once confined to the battlefields over Iraq and Afghanistan, to be used domestically for a wide range of functions, both public and private, governmental and corporate, yet without proper safeguards, these devices, some of which are deceptively small and capable of videotaping the facial expressions of people on the ground from hundreds of feet in the air, will usher in a new age of surveillance in American society. That's the purpose of it. I read an article a few days ago about the people who are living under the drones over in the Middle East and the, the, the psychological effects it has when you've got six or seven of these things buzzing over your head. You're being, see it, see, it changes your behavior. It's like the cameras, the CCTV cameras. When they put it in, it wasn't to catch folk. It was to alter your behavior. You behave differently. You're not spontaneous. You're not natural. You're not having fun. And walking in the streets with your pals, you can't do that anymore. You behave in a completely different manner. But when these things are lethal and they're above your heads, now you've got a psychological terror above your heads and you are afraid of them. And you're going to obey, obey. I'm always getting watched. Obey, just like Orwell's 84. That's what it's all about. These are training you to be obedient and scared and quivering so you'll obey any figure of authority. That's what it's for, folks. I hope you understand this. And also... This other one came out with Government Security News. It says, in an effort to foster closer relationships, I love these closer relationships between the field offices of various U.S. government departments and the state and local governments in those geographic areas across the country, President Obama has signed an executive order on October 26, which establishes a new White House Homeland Security Partnership Council which will be chaired by the Assistant to the President for Homeland Security and Counterterrorism, which is currently John Brennan. The new council will draw upon expertise residing in federal, state, local and tribal, tribal governments, as well as the private sector, non-governmental organizations, foundations and community-based groups to enhance the nation's ability to address homeland security priorities. You better understand all these community-based groups and all the rest of it and NGOs, non-governmental organizations that are funded by your tax money and the big private foundations are running your lives. Right down to some of the first articles I was reading here. That's all part of Homeland Security now too. So here they go again into this this new public-private partnership deal. Only the public have no input whatsoever unless you're a a UN-registered politically correct, non-governmental organization. And since the new partnership council will be composed of federal officials who are from field offices of the executive departments, agencies and bureaus, says the executive order, selected members will represent about 18 different departments and agencies, including the Department of Homeland Security, State, Defense, Justice, Energy, Interior, the FBI, the Office and Director of National Intelligence and Small Business Administration. And several others. Well, several others are the ones you've got to watch. These private NGOs from the United Nations. The council may establish subgroups consisting exclusively of council members or their designees as appropriate, says the executive order. They've got a steering committee which will provide guidance to council, including representatives at the deputy agency head level or designee the author, uh, the order specifies. The council will promote opportunities for partnerships. <laughs> this is a business, folks. 
between the federal field offices and local government stakeholders, raise awareness of best practices at local level, conduct outreach to the private sector and various non-governmental groups. And so you got to, if you're not a member of a non-governmental group, I, I stress group is the key here, then you don't have any say in anything anymore. It says, and convene an annual meeting to exchange key findings, progress, and best practices. Within one year, the annually, and annually thereafter, the council will provide a report on its work to the president through the council's chairman. So, it says, these councils, this council is, uh, and the partnerships are critical to the U.S. success at home and abroad. This approach, this is international. This is an approach recognized that given the complexities and range of challenges, we must institutionalize an all-of-nation effort to address evolving threats to the United States, it declares. You understand anything, even as I say the first articles I was reading here tonight, will be under evolving threats to the United States. That's how they're going to expand it all. You're looking at total communism. That's what you're looking at here. And... A few couple of nights ago, too, I mentioned about the Nigerians. I think it was Nigerians who were coming into Britain. And, uh, you know, they were practicing juju. They call it juju. I'm a juju man. And they come into Britain and they bring young girls have often kidnapped or blackmailed. And they turn them off as prostitutes and threaten them with black magic if they don't go along with all this stuff. And they really believe in that over there, you understand. And uh, they're not so sophisticated as Britain, where, you know, the juju guys literally threaten your life and, and, and all nasty kinds of things. And this particular juju guy was cutting up some victims as well. They don't do that in the West. We're more civilized. You know, they get folks to sign donor cards, then they grab all your organs before you're dead, and we sell them all for profits, you know. But it says here, this is outrageous. Abuse of hospitality judges anger as he joins a family of Ugandan fraudsters who stole four million pounds in benefits, welfare benefits, to buy luxury homes and restaurants in Africa. Now, Britain's been advertising openly for the last 40 years, I think, that it's the best welfare state in the planet. And that's to attract this multicultural thing to destroy the, 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 the because Tony Blair admitted that he has, his, it is next, you know, the, the vice president or the prime minister. He says, and I've read the articles here on the air. Tony Blair told the guy who's next in command to open the floodgates and complete, to completely destroy the culture of Britain forever. So they could never get together again as, as, as a British culture. So here you have all the gangs in Britain looting it like crazy. They've had people, Romanians coming in, gypsies that peddle the streets, and they're buying homes back home and all the money they're conning out of the, the various levels of welfare they can claim. But it says, Ruth uh, Rabuguzi, it says, got leave to remain by using IDs of fake children and even stole her other two children's identities. Ringleaders of the family firm claim more than £2 million in HIV, fake HIV and AIDS drugs. And the drugs were then sent back to Uganda and sold for profits. Members of nine strong gangs were, were, members were jailed for a total of 19 years today. The scale of the fraud is so wide that its feared leader's identity may never be known. And it says the judge accused the family of the fraudsters of... Four million pounds, it says. The 20 year scam. 20 years have been at this. That shows you nobody's looking at them to get off with this for 20 years. And that's only one of them, right? That, that was your person in Britain who's been born and raised in Britain. The lucky you get money to, 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 to heat themselves through the winter. But if they walk in from other countries on special lists, you see, from the United Nations, every layer of government is throwing cash at them. 
But it says 20 years, it says one of the fraudulent ringers created fake identities for up to 100 children to milk the benefit system. Fake identities. Ruth Nugabuzi also claimed to have HIV and AIDS in order to receive costly drugs which she sent back to Uganda for huge profits. It's estimated that supplying the medicines to the 49-year-old, as well as four other made-up sufferers, cost the taxpayer more than £2 million alone. A further £154,000 went on education, private education for members of their family, with £37,500 for a single higher education course. Just for one person. Uh, it says fraud relating to the accommodation cost and subletting of flats. Should flats all over the place too. By Nagabuzi cost six six hundred and fifty thousand pounds, and the family's benefits, the welfare benefits, included child allowances, disability benefits, and council tax and tax credits totaling nine hundred thousand pounds for one family. Can you? That's welfare. And you wonder why you're broke. <laughs> The gang's gains were spent on a complex consisting of luxury apartments, shops, restaurants, and a hotel in Nagabuzi's home city of Kampala, uh, the Ugandan capital. Plans, and they've got all the photographs, they're awfully nice, you know. Plans for building new properties were found when police raided the gang's home across East London. The Daily Mail told last week how in, uh, in a campaign of deceit lasting more than t- 20 years, their family business saw them conspire together to create, use and exploit false identities to carry out the staggering fraud. Yesterday, eight of the group were sentenced to a total of 19 years. And the, the judge told Nagabuzi, this was a fraud on a huge scale, and it's outrageous abuse of the hospitality you were offered by this country when you came here in trouble. Well, they all come and claim they're in trouble, don't they? Since the identities you used, no doubt sold, were then used by other people. They pass them on. You know, scruples in bringing children in this country, then involving them in your criminal pursuits. It was motivated in talented by greed. All these identities were, for you, valuable commodities. So it says the true figure of what these people stole from us may never be known. It could be in excess of £6 million after they launched a systematic assault on the welfare system. So that's what you get as they destroy the cultures. I remember what I said at the beginning, too. There's a war on, a long-term war, to destroy every country's culture. And Tony Blair admitted that, because that's what he ordered for Britain. And this is from the horse's mouth at the top. You understand, the elite don't have to make excuses for anything. The public went in disbelief. Oh, I know he said it, but he didn't really mean it. That's all that has to be done. So you're trained to be, you're, you're, you're trained in socialism. You're trained, so you make excuses for them. And... I mean, the big thing, too, is all the money, your money, going to, to find ways to get into your brain. There's, there's almost, there's very good, you know, algorithms and all the rest of it being run all the time by supercomputers. And God knows, there's so many articles every day on even super, super, supercomputers that the governments all have to, to check all of us 24 hours a day. But now they're into, again, they're always trying to get into the human brain. And it says this has happened and it successfully extracted a sensitive data. Hackers backdoor the human brain. And I'll put this link up tonight as well. It says researchers at the USINIX Security Conference have demonstrated a zero-day vulnerability in your brain. Using a commercial off-the-shelf brain-computer interface, the researchers have shown it's possible to hack your brain, forcing you to reveal information that you'd rather keep secret. Now, most folk, really, there's nothing to hack because they've already told everybody on their tweets and everyone else on their Facebook what they're up to. So they won't care, you see.
and it really wants. Now, again, this political correctness just gets crazier and crazier, and it's meant to get crazier and crazier. And I venture to say there'll be no such thing as paedophilia or anything else that's now a crime. Actually, I wonder if it is a crime anymore, really, you know, ever since Kinsey. Uh, paid guys who worked in government, by the way, a lot of them, and they were inspectors for orphanages to actually have sex with two-month-year-old children, observe their pain, and write it all down very clinically. It had you stop watches and timed them. I'll put the links up before uh, from Judith Reisman on it. I'll try and do that again tonight. I'm not kidding you, folks. This is the folk that run the world. But it says, girls getting eye-full in locker room. University's non-discrimination policy now lets a man uh, change with the female swim team. A national legal alliance is calling on officials at Evergreen State College in Olympia, Washington, to do something to make this campus safe after it was revealed that because of a non-discrimination policy, the school was letting a man change uh, into swimwear alongside a girl's swim team. Little girls should not be exposed to naked men, period. A college notions about non-discrimination don't change that, said David Hacker, senior legal counsel for Alliance Defending Freedom. The idea that the college and the local district attorney will not act to protect young girls is appalling. What Americans seeing, are seeing here is the poisoned fruit of so-called non-discrimination laws and policies. Placing this man's proclivities ahead of protecting little girls is beyond acceptable. And that hits it right on the head, you see. This is a technique that they use as they do with your rights and promotes the pervers' rights, you see. A school spokesman told Will McDay that the school would make sure transgendered individuals would continue to have access to the women's locker room, and the school would uphold civil rights for all. I mean, no, why is a transgendered individual? This guy had all his guy stuff on him. Doesn't matter how he pretends he thinks is in his head or wants to be seen, you know. But it says here, I mean, at this point, too, we've established privacy screens. These measures should offer everyone more privacy. The ADF jumped into action when it discovered the situation by sending the school a letter that warns of the possible consequences of failing to act. The letter to Matt Newman, Recreation Director and Art Constantino, Vice President of Student Affairs, said the school's pool and locker rooms are used by swim teams from Capital High School and Olympia High School, as well as children with Evergreen Swim Club and the Aquatics Academy. Most of the students are minors, and from six years old to 18, and if they watch this guy displaying his genitalia. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the matrix, seeing things as they are regardless of the PC and the Frankfurt School and all the other ones in the United Nations, etc., that are determined to destroy logic and common sense and sanity of its very self. So. But here's a, a school I'm talking about in the U.S. This is on several occasions recently the children saw a naked man in the women's locker room sauna who was displaying his male genitalia. The children saw him through the sauna's glass door, which allowed the man a plain view of the young girls while they were changing. The children notified the swim coach, who called the police. The letter explained that the man identified as Evergreen student Colin Francis, age 45, to be the man in the women's locker room. You always go for your victims, see? Sources indicate that Francis believes he is a woman, even though he is biologically a man. 
according to the police report, despite Francis's obvious violation of Washington's indecent exposure statute, uh, Washington, and it gives you the code for the statute, the, whole, but the local district attorney declined to pursue charges, letter said. We're aware of Evergreen in, uh, intends to allow Francis to continue to use the women's locker room pursuant to its non-discrimination policy. So you have to put up with the perps, you know, see. And, says, and this guy believes, you know, what do you mean he's, he, he thinks he's a woman? He's got all the biological stuff. I, I, I've known people who thought that they were God. One, one guy thought he was God once. He did get carried off, you know. And another one who thought he was a devil. You know, today you'll meet lots of people, who, women who especially, who think they were Cleopatra in previous lives. I've met a few of them, but I could never afford all the milk to fill up their baths. You know. But it says here, however, the legal team told the college that the situation endangers the young girls who use Evergreen's locker room and pool. If harm befalls one of the students, it says, Evergreen and its employees may be held liable for charges or damages. Evergreen has an affirmative duty to use ordinary care to keep the premises in a reasonably safe condition. The lawyer said that letting a grown man use the woman's locker room and expose himself while young girls are changing demonstrates a clear failure to keep Evergreen's premises in a safe condition. Well, all the pair of have to say now as well, I look like a man, but I feel like a woman. <laughs> They're safe. Placing someone in a known danger with deliberate indifference to their personal physical safety violates their Fourth Amendment rights under the United States Constitution, it says. ADF officials who had been alerted to the situation by parents who were concerned for the safety of their children told the school any reasonable person would view this as dangerous to the young girls involved. Well, you're not dealing with reason, you're dealing with lawyers and agendas by the United Nations. Eh? The fact that this individual is sitting in plain view of the young girls changing in their swimsuits puts you and Evergreen School on notice of possible future harm. The line said the school's installation of curtains with instruction, instructions that girls change behind them doesn't solve the problem. It says the police report notes that the person, this Mr., you know, this guy, was sitting with his legs open with uh, his, they, they say her, her, you know, why, why did the media say that this guy's a guy, right, with the male genitalia showing? A swim coach who made the report said that girls 6 to 18 years of age were present. And that's the world they're bringing in for everyone, is they destroy all that was to bring in the new, all that was made imperfect. That's what they claim in the ancient mysteries, the ancient, very old stuff, that they would destroy all that was and perfect that that was left imperfect. If you want to study it for yourself, it's a long, long history. And it's on a roll now, folks. And you can trace it all down through the ages to the present very real and you've all been affected by it in fact your own indoctrination and your own entertainment comes from them too well from Hamish myself from Ontario Canada it's good night to me your God or your gods go with you <laughs>